I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. Yes, it is emergency podcast time. The Big Ten announces a television rights deal totaling over $8 billion with Fox, CBS, and NBC. And my colleague from The Athletic, Stuart Mendel, a senior writer there who has covered college football for a long time, kind enough to join me as we tape this on the same day. Also, shout out to Patrick Antonetti for changing his schedule. So we can tape this. Stu, welcome to the Sports Media Podcast, and let us start. Uh, let us start big, writ large. What are your What's your sort of overall takeaway from um, from what has finally become official today? Well, you know the the details about which networks were involved have been trickling out for a while, right? So, um, you know, last week's big news was that ESPN is out. Uh, so to me, it was about the number finding out the number today, and it's just staggering. You know, it had been reported over the last few months of like they're they're hoping to what they're hoping to get, and what they actually got is a little north of eight billion dollars over seven years. And what's crazy about that is it's not like you know it's not like the, their last deal was done fifteen years ago. Um, the deal that they're currently in began in twenty seventeen, and that was worth four hundred forty million a year, and that was considered really big. This one is north of one billion a year, more like you know one point close to one point two billion a year. I'm not good at math, Richard, but it seems to be like a one hundred and sixty percent increase in six years. Uh, it's it's enormous, um, and it says a lot about the TV. Like I think the Big Ten timed it perfectly, and credit to Jim Delaney who went with a shorter deal uh, last time. That just in the span of six years, it shows how much more desperate, frankly, the networks are to make sure they keep these big, lucrative uh, sports properties. Uh, because we know Apple's getting involved. We know Amazon's getting involved. And the last thing they can afford, I mean, live sports, right, is basically all ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox have left, uh, and they can't afford to lose it. So the price went up. Yeah, they teach in sports media writing schools, Do They always bet on major increases when it comes yeah. to sports media rights. And uh, we saw that today. So I, one of the, I mean, there's a lot of obviously really interesting things about this deal. I think for me, maybe the biggest takeaway, and you, you just sort of really touched on a little bit, is the power of linear television still remaining when it comes to major sports properties. And, you know, you could read my piece on The Athletic. You could read Nicole Auerbach. Uh, Scott Dockerman has a piece. Andy Staples has a piece. I imagine Stu will be weighing in soon enough. One of the things that all of the television executives that I spoke with, it was almost as if they were reading from the same talking points memo, is the just the power of on a Saturday going from noon on Fox to 3.30 on CBS to 7, 8 o'clock on NBC. All linear television all showing Big Ten football games. 
And that's a big deal, Stu, to me in 2022, given that, you know, we really aren't in the era of streaming. We've heard so much about, you know, when will ESPN finally, you know, dump all of their programming to ESPN Plus, et cetera. And today's Big Ten deal, honestly, was like really like a salvo for the linear networks to, to sort of say, hey, like it is still very, at least from the Big Ten's perspective, it is still very important for us to be on over-the-air linear television. Yeah, and the key is over-the-air, right? Um, you know, this uh, I, I, uh, I'm going to plagiarize somebody here. I don't remember who, who said this, but, you know, you, this this deal could have easily been a deal announced in 1972, right? It's, it's, it's broadcast networks exclusively. And, and to me, that is a complete reversal from if you go back to the start of the 2010s, I mean, I remember what a big deal it was when ESPN got the um, BCS and then later the CFP. And instead of putting the national championship game on ABC, put it on ESPN. And then the NCAA tournament made a deal, you know, that had always been on CBS and they made that deal. And, and even to this day, right, TBS gets the final four every few years. But cord cutting came and the networks or the company's, you know, emphasis shifted from cable back to broadcast. And, you know, I think Kevin Warren comes from the NFL. He's turning the model he just announced today is an NFL model. I mean, this is almost mirrors exactly right. Uh, switch the order a little bit. But when you watch on an NFL Sunday, you are watching some games on NB uh, CBS. You're watching some games on Fox. Then you watch NBC in prime time, right? It's very, uh, it's very similar to that. Stu, um, this will be a pretty big talking point, not just today, but in the days ahead. Um, I remember having Andy Staples on this podcast not too long ago, so I, I know where he comes from. How do you view ESPN not being part of the Big Ten? And let me sort of just say for the listeners who are listening, I don't think that there's any chance that ESPN is somehow not going to show up with College Game Day in Ann Arbor or Columbus. There, I mean... Networks can be petty, but networks aren't dumb. You can't avoid the Big Ten. That would just be it would just be a bad editorial decision. That said, there has always been a conventional wisdom that you want to be associated with ESPN if you're a sports rights property in the US. So how do you see um the the realism now over the next seven years that the Big Ten will not have a formal contractual agreement with ESPN? To me, it's more symbolic than anything. Um I'm with you. I don't, you know, people have brought up the NHL comparison, right? It was very noticeable how much ESPN ignored the NHL uh, once they didn't have the rights. And that's part of why the uh, NHL went back. No offense to you guys up in Canada who love hockey. Hockey's not as big a sport here as college football. And in particular, Stu, Stu, by the way, just for the record, you know, I am still an American citizen. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. You didn't renounce us yet. Uh, <laughs> hockey, you know, Hockey, NHL hockey is not Ohio State football. You know, the, the ESPN, it can't cover and they have the college football playoff. Let's not forget. So they have an investment in the entire sport. And yeah, you can't ignore or maybe they're going to ignore Illinois and Rutgers, but they're not going to ignore Ohio State and Michigan. So uh, it's not so much that I mean, I think the big symbolism and, and obviously what college sports fans care about is the the two super conference era, right? The big 10 and the sec are gobbling up the other conferences, best teams and are so clearly, 
you know, kind of the, the, the future of the sport revolves around them. And, you know, right now, both of those leagues have their games on multiple net, uh, multiple uh, companies, but going forward, SEC is the ESPN conference and big 10 is the Fox conference. Or if you want to say the Fox CBS, NBC conference, like these two big uh, forces, you know, the, these foils, if you will, um, or na- now have their their networks. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm going to use a political analogy, but I'm not equating one ideology to the other. But basically, it's like ESPN is. Let's just leave out those ones, right? It's like CNN and and Fox News or MSNBC and Fox News. Maybe is the better version with these networks being almost a proxy for the two conferences. Do Do you it, you know every one of these uh, every one of these entities that landed big 10 rights today i think can say hey we got what we wanted um you know cbs wanted the 330 window they got it i think nbc legitimately wanted prime time because they wanted some kind of uh like notre dame uh big 10 back-to-back they got it obviously fox gets a great deal a lot of inventory etc um if you were gonna um sort of just take a step back do you think one set of inventory is better than another and if so why well, Fox gets the best games, right? So um, they uh, and they get Ohio State, Michigan, which is the most valuable game of all. Uh, so you know, and and it's not surprising, right? I mean, the 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 unusual element of this whole thing is that Fox, which owns sixty one percent of the Big Ten network, I mean, they were hand in hand with the Big Ten in these meetings with the other networks. Like they helped decide which other networks would be involved. Their part of it was wrapped up months ago. So Fox gets the best games, um, but, you know, even the number two game in the Big Ten, especially once USC is in it and it's a 16 team conference, the second best game in the in the Big Ten in a given week is still going to be a really big game. And, you know, CBS obviously losing the SEC needed something. You know, it, 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 I remember when they first lost the, lost, uh, the SEC, people are like, oh, they're going to go get the Pac-12 or the Big 12. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> They're going to go get like, I didn't know for sure that they were going to get the Big Ten, but I knew they were going to either go big or go home, right? They need, they want games that are going to get four, five, six million viewers a week, and there's only two conferences really that provide those. Do you, um, from your perspective, does this mean anything specific for Notre Dame? Notre Dame still, I think, is if they remain an independent. They're looking at fifty, sixty, seventy million dollars um, from someone, likely from NBC, who I think would love to maintain that relationship. That said, I mean, you don't have to be a genius to understand the value of Notre Dame heading to the Big Ten, both for the Big Ten and Notre Dame. Well, I think Notre Dame wants to stay an independent if they can work, make it work financially. And when the when the USC UCLA thing first happened, a lot of people, myself included, felt like, okay, this might be the final straw, right? Because, you know, that conference is now going to be making so, so, so much more than them. But as the month, six weeks have gone on, um, people I respect like John Warren have said, no, I think it is realistic that Notre Dame, which currently makes, I believe, 22 million a year up for their package. It's around this. Yeah. Really could get 60, 70 million, which seems insane to me because they only play seven home games a year. And some of them are against Rice or... (laughs) Toledo or whatnot. But as we just saw, you know, with this deal, rights are doubling, tripling in a short amount of time. So if they can get that kind of number, and plus they also get a share of the ACC uh, non-football revenue, 
um, and then they can make it work. Then they can stay independent. And if I'm NBC, I'd actually prefer that because I think they love the idea of a doubleheader. If, if Notre Dame joins the Big Ten and it's just part of that primetime package along with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, everybody else, um, you know, they're probably going to show fewer Notre Dame games than they do now. So I think for them, the ideal is that Notre Dame stays independent, renews with them instead of going to another uh, network, obviously. And they can have a, a, a 3.30 or a 3.30, 7.30 or whatever it might be, doubleheader. Yeah, I mean, I think, to, you know, counterintuitively, too, maybe like uh, remaining independent makes you sort of special in today's environment. But, uh, you know, we'll see how that plays out. You know, there, this is, again, very, very, uh, you know, an inside college football kind of thing for people like yourself who cover this on a day-to-day basis. But there's going to be a lot of talk about, like, you know, did uh, the SEC move too quick? Did Greg Sankey make a mistake by not um, not setting his deal up to come up for negotiation before this current Big Ten deal comes up? From my vantage point, Stu, um, I, I, I think whenever you come up, you're going to get an increase. So when the SEC's contract comes up with uh, the ESPN contract comes up in 2034, they're going to be looking at a monster increase. When the Big Ten contract ends, I'm sorry, comes up in 2029, unless, again, the world is over, like they're going to get an increase. So I, I, I don't always think that's that, that big a deal, but I am sure there will certainly be a lot of, um, a lot of columns today saying that, that Kevin Warren like is sort of the conference president winner here because he has set his conference up not only for a monster pay deal, today but he's going to be going to market before the sec and i I agree with him i mean i think kevin warren who got a lot of criticism when he first got on the job and covid uh outmaneuvered sankey on this one you know it was kind of unusual what the sec did their deal isn't up till 2024 but they did it for it got it done four years early um it was never going to stay with cbs they've been at odds with cbs for a long long time it was and but it didn't but it also didn't go open for bidding. I mean, the Big Ten just had a very public uh, bidding war between all these networks. Um, the SEC just they already had, you know, the relationship with ESPN for the SEC network. And they really like the idea of having all their games under one roof. So they just did a deal with ESPN. And look, the number ESPN paid was very, very big as well. Uh, but now, two years later, it's already been lapped. If you're the SEC, the SEC spin on it, though, would be it was that deal that prompted Oklahoma and Texas to come to their league. Oklahoma and Texas saw that deal. And, and specifically, this is a little inside baseball, but after that deal got announced, the Big 12 went to ESPN and Fox and said, hey, we'd like to do the same thing. Our deal is not up for four years, but we'd like to open the negotiations now. And they said, sorry, not interested. And it was like the next day from what I've been told that OU and Texas were on the phone with Greg Sankey. So in that respect, right, it ended up paying huge dividends for them. Um, but, you know, college football fans argue about everything. They want superiority and everything. And as the years go on here and, you know, the annual uh, USA Today thing will come out or whatever, and it shows that the Big Ten teams are making $10 million more per year than the SEC teams or whatever it might be, you know, SEC fans aren't going to like that. Uh, yeah, just as Stu mentioned before, I think the, uh, you know, depending on what year it is, 
the NBC Notre Dame deal is either fifteen million annually, or like twenty-two million annually, depending on sort of what year we're in. But that that sort of just gives you a sense of what they might be looking at in terms of an increase. Um, I want to ask you, Stu, about the because obviously today there's going to be a lot of talk about football and understandably so. That's what's driving this entire deal. But but the deal that we're um, we're, we all reported on today is not just a football deal. There's um, there's there's all sport inventory on this, including men's and women's basketball. And in talking to Sean McManus, like when I did yesterday, like he made it a very important, he made it a big point to say one, we really wanted to protect the Big Ten men's basketball semifinals and championship game, which we're going to have for the duration of the tournament. And we're getting the women's basketball championship game now on over the air CBS every year. When I talked to NBC, like they really hit on that. They have much more college basketball inventory and peep of aqua even was like, we got golf inventory here for the big 10 network from, sorry, from the big 10. And while you might not think that's a big deal, it is a big deal for us because we have our, Golf Channel ties. So when you look um, at some of the inventory, Stu, that's coming to these networks, what were your thoughts about the non-football stuff? Yeah, my thoughts were that um, it just shows that the college basketball is just so devalued. Um, you know, they're they're shoving a lot of those games on Peacock, right? So college basketball. I mean, t- uh, let me put it this way: when people talk about the the impact of losing ESPN, I actually think it'll be felt much more in basketball. Because, you know, they're not going to be those weeknight games are not going to be on ESPN anymore. And you're going to have to go looking for them. You know, I mean, Big Ten Network has always shown a lot of those games, but the game, uh, you know, the Purdue, Indiana game that's usually Wednesday at 9 p.m. on ESPN uh, is might be on Peacock now and you're going to have to go hunting for it. So I think that their men's basketball will lose a lot of exposure. Now, the flip side, like you said, the women's basketball getting their championship on CBS is huge for them. I I can't imagine they've had anything uh, close to that before, but that's one game. Uh, I think, you know, I just think the reality of it is, and college basketball fans don't like it, but football drives these things. Um, They don't break it out by sport, so I don't know. You know, we we have no way of knowing, like, how much was basketball a part of this monetarily. But in the last deal, because CBS CBS had a separate basketball deal, we did know that number. And you know what it was? $10 million a year. $10 million a year for 13 basketball games, including the Big Ten Championship. And here we are talking about over a billion dollars a year for this for this deal. And it just shows you how much more football is valued than, than basketball. Let me ask you, this is something I talked about with Nicole and Scott Dockerman on a, uh, we did a live room for The Athletic earlier this morning, and again, taping this on uh, Thursday, uh, August 18th. We talked about, um, and I I asked uh, Nicole and Scott this, because they're far closer to it than I am, and you are far closer to this than I am. Do you think that college football fans will subscribe to Peacock to get these exclusive games. And so sort of meaning like if I'm a Purdue fan or a Michigan state fan and like Michigan state Purdue is like Peacock's exclusive game, like week six, like I get why NBC wanted the exclusivity because they're trying to make Peacock more valuable and they want to sell subscriptions. But in your opinion, like is that content enough to drive those fans to, to subscribe or would they be like, okay, 
we're willing to miss these one or two games and we'll wait for it to be on over the air. Like, how do you see it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if it's just one game and it's not even a, a particularly significant game, you know, that that seems hard to believe. I know this, they, the, the first kind of um, window into this was last season. NBC put one of, put Notre Dame, actually was Notre Dame Toledo, the second week of the season on Peacock. And so, so did Notre, you know, I, I don't know if I ever, if did they ever release that data? How many Notre Dame fans subscribed? No, the, the, the Peacock's uh, viewership is pretty pr- proprietary. And not to mention it's, uh, to be very honest, like streaming numbers are always a little um, hard to decipher. What I would imagine happened, because I've seen that, you know, what I would imagine happened is a lot of people signed up for a, some sort of free trial, you know, or like one month uh, deal and then canceled it. Right. So to me, I think, you know, the we'll see. I don't know how it'll play out, but I guess the answer is, if you know, some of those schools like Purdue and Indiana in particular, where they care as much, if not more about basketball, would probably sign up for Peacock for the basketball. And then they get to see that one football game versus, uh, you know, Penn State. Right. If Penn State has one game on one football game on Peacock and they do not care about basketball, are they going to sign up for a, a year's subscription? I don't know. Um, but I do know, right, Peacock has the Premier League. So, you know, that whatever that Venn diagram is of, of Premier League fans and Big Ten fans, uh, they're going to they're going to that's the sweet spot right there. Well, the interesting thing will be is if the Big Ten and Peacock ever decide to put a real game of significance as an exclusive streaming only game. That'll be the test. Uh, and I don't think that happens first year. But I would not be surprised three, four years down the road. Uh, you know, Kevin Warren and company, assuming Kevin Warren's still there, work with uh, NBC and we're like, all right, let's just do a little experiment and let's let's have a you know, let's have these two top twenty teams meet on Peacock and see what happens. I, I Well, I don't know what the specifics are of the how that breaks down, right? Like with the way these things work is there's a draft. And, you know, each, each, so you draft the games, um, can NBC use their, and let's say they have the the number two pick one week, can they use that? And then they can't, I believe, yeah, it's a great question. Um, I talked to McManus a little bit about the, the draft and he said, um, there's a selection process where all the partners will like sort of get a rotation of number one picks. Mm -hmm. Um, so Fox will get the number one overall pick every year, and they don't pick the game. They pick the week. So Fox right. is going to pick the week of Ohio State-Michigan, as, as you said, Stu. So let's just sort of make this pretending. It's week seven. It's NBC's pick. NBC gets the first pick. They take USC versus Michigan. I think they're allowed to put that on Peacock. Well, okay. That's, now, the, that's the key detail. Yeah. Now, I don't think they will, like certainly year one, and I'm sure the Big Ten – um, as rights holder partnerships happen, like I think they'll talk about it, and because they want these games to head to the uh, highest possible thing, but they have the they have the capabilities. Here's the reality: why I don't think like a game like that would ever go to Peacock. I don't think NBC would be willing to give up the advertising dollars yeah. that like that kind of game would get on over the air TV. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know the financial calculus of um, you know what brings in more money for them. Um, one football game's worth of ads or, uh, you know, X number of subscribers that sign up because right. of that game. I, I don't know. Um, I don't think that I'm not even sure they know that would be an experiment that's yet to happen. Um, I think we're still, you know, I, I think we're still years away from the streaming services um, 
carrying big games. Like if anything, this Big Ten deal kind of reaffirmed that, you know, it's the importance of placing their their most important games on uh, to the biggest audience. Now, this deal is done. done. Next up is the Pac-12, which yep. is fighting to survive in the wake of losing USC and UCLA. And they may find that their most lucrative, you know, that their biggest payday comes if they do put uh, some of their big games on streaming. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm really fascinated to see that aspect of it. There were rumors. I don't even call it rumors. I, I know for a fact that they talked to Apple and Amazon, the big 10 did for possibly getting that package. But in the end, they decided to um, let NBC and Peacock have it. So, but at some point, somebody's going to do it. Yeah. I got pretty good sourcing on this, that Amazon actually was willing to pay more money. Um, than NBC and CBS and ultimately the Big Ten went elsewhere. I do think the Pac-12 is going to have a streaming partner. Oh, yeah. That's my prediction, whether it's Amazon or Apple. It's just how good a games are you willing to put. I mean, Apple came to the Pac-12, came when Larry Scott was still the commissioner. Apple came to them, I want to say, at least three years ago and said, we will buy, you know, we'll we'll buy your rights right now if you'll, but it's got to be the best games. And, you know, obviously they weren't ready to do that. So, yep. Um, you know, if let's say the Pac-12 talks to Apple, I don't, I don't think Apple cares about the Oregon State, uh, you know, Washington State game. No offense to those two schools, right? They're going to be like, if we do this, we want to be able to put Oregon on. We want to be able to put Stanford on. And we'll see how, uh, you know, if they're willing to do that. Two last ones for me. One, um, I think today's news will make it more likely if it wasn't already a fait accompli, that ESPN is going to get Pac-12 rights. How do you see it? Oh, yeah, uh, uh, for sure. It's just how much it, are they willing to pay for it? Um, you know, right now, the, 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 you know, soap opera, if you will, in, in, in college football right now is the Big 12 is very aggressively pursuing Pac-12 schools. They want, you know, they want to step up and say, hey, we're, we're the we have power now after being, uh, you know, really uh, weakened after losing OU in Texas. Pac-12 schools aren't interested in that. They they want to make this thing work. But if ESPN comes in with a really low ball offer, you know, that might change the equation. And then, of course, the other factor is the Big Ten is not exactly closing the door to the idea that maybe in a couple months, maybe in a couple of years, they might add more Pac-12 schools. They might add Oregon and Washington. So, um, ESP, you know, there's a lot of importance right now that they not just get a deal with ESPN, but that ESPN is going to give them a pretty significant bump. It won't be what they would have gotten with the LA schools, obviously, but they need it to be a pretty significant bump so that an Oregon, for instance, will feel comfortable signing. Cause once you sign that thing, um, you know, you, you've cut yourself off from a possible big 10 invitation for however many years that deal is. So uh, they, they need that number to be enticing enough to want to, you know, recommit to the Pac-12 as versus, you know, kind of keeping one door open for the Big Ten. And the last one I want to ask you is about programming, and this was pretty interesting to me. And talking uh, talking to a lot of people over the last couple of days, um, it was posited to me that if they were in charge of the ESPN programming, uh, you know, they were working for Burke Magnus or under Burke Magnus. They would cede the noon Eastern time slot to Fox. Let Fox roll up with its uh, with its uh, pregame show. Uh, by the way, we'll, we'll look forward very soon to the news that Urban Meyer's returning. Uh, Has that really not been announced? 
It's not been announced yet. But, I mean, the uh, guy, the guy was at their, a- you know, offsite. Yeah, I, know. So, <laughs> I think I reported that in April, yeah. and we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I, I, you know, still feel confident that formal announcement's coming any day. So the thought, like the the sort of the the positive or the thesis is, let Fox like push everything into noon. They're gonna get a great game anyway. You can't beat them. So at noon, you have a, a like a you know a quote unquote lower tier SEC game, and then if you're ESPN, load up three thirty, load up primetime, try to beat CBS and NBC. Well, I think you know they haven't said this for certain, but I think they will keep alive the tradition of the three thirty, you know, the SEC game of the week being at three thirty, right? So that'll be on ABC, the ABC primetime game that has you know kind of been shared amongst several conferences um, over the years, including the Big Ten. If I mean, I don't know. There might be some sort of stipulation that they have to put X number of uh, ACC games. I don't know. But I would imagine most, if not all weeks, that will be a big SEC game. And then that noon window, that might be where they stash the, the you know, pit Wake Forest game. <laughs> like they do. They do have some obligations to some of the other conferences that they need to that they need to fulfill. And, um, you know, and and one of those obligations, by the way, is the SEC network. It's not like they can put all the SEC games on. ESPN and ESPN too. So, but I agree with you. Um, you know, uh, that Fox big 10 game is going to be a mega ratings game almost every week. So there's no need, there's probably no incentive to put, um, you know, a top 15, uh, sec game opposite that. What's here's the last one for me. This is a fun one for me. If you're ESPN, what's the sec school that you're hoping really becomes like a top five or, top 10 to change the equation in terms of viewership. Is it Texas or is it? It's Texas. Else? I mean, Texas okay. does big numbers. You know, I've delved into these numbers a lot because of big 12 realignment. Uh, Texas over the last six or so seasons, I mean, they have, they have drawn significantly more viewers than USC. And it's not like Texas was any better than USC during that period. So, I mean, they still have a lot of power as a brand. And if they become a national championship contender again, and you've got, you know, I mean, first of all, Foxes has has an actual Texas Alabama game week two this season, you, and oh, and I think you know for that that audience will be huge. And now imagine if it were that same game, but it's an SEC matchup, and they're both in the top ten. I mean, that's that's their dream. I think. I mean, there's other programs. Obviously, I'm sure they would. They wish Florida was better uh, than they have been the past few years. Um, you know, LSU had that big run with Joe Burrow, but then they've slipped off the last couple of years and. Now they have Brian Kelly. Um, I think the difference between the SEC and the Big Ten, though, is the SEC has is just deeper, right? They they go seven, eight deep of programs that people tune in to watch, um, regardless of what they're ranked that season. The Big Ten has more like three of those, three, maybe four. Um, you're always going to watch Ohio State. You're always going to watch Michigan. I think Penn State is not on their level, but, but pretty high. Uh, but that starts to drop off. And, and that includes Nebraska, who, when they got them, you know, was, was a, if you'd gotten them in the 90s, would have been one of those programs. So um, the SEC is kind of going to do okay, regardless of uh, who the contenders are in a given year. Now, shout out to Nebraska. P- producer Patrick Antonetti still, he remains a big fan of the Cornhuskers. Uh, Stu, uh, it was really good of you to come on. A very busy day for everybody on the college football staff at The Athletic. Read Stuart Mandel's uh, work on The Athletic. He's a longtime senior writer and editor there. Obviously, you can follow him on uh, on Twitter as well. And uh, we'll be reading, Stu. Uh, by the way, uh, check out uh, Bruce Feldman and Stuart Mandel's podcast, The Audible. Am 
Am I correct? The Audible, yep. Uh, our weekly podcast, actually twice a week once the season starts. Now, speaking of kind of your world, right, TV, uh, on our episode that went up Wednesday, we had a roundtable discussion about the Manti Teo documentary on Netflix. Uh, oh, um, I'll yeah, listen we, to that. That's interesting. Yeah, I thought it was a really, the pr- I thought the producers did a great job. It's really fascinating, and uh, I'm really happy for Teo. I, I feel like in, 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 a, in a horrific story for him as a, 21 year old he seems to have found clarity and uh and and a you know like a sort of a new purpose i think in in telling his story to to others so that i think that for i reckon i imagine you do as well Stu. but i totally recommend that doc yeah i recommend it for sure uh it um you know i was shocked that that manti would sit down for it given you know the the just the pain and the humiliation this caused for him but I'm glad, he, I'm glad he did, and I think, uh, you know, once you watch it, you'll realize why. Check out Stu Mandel's work on The Athletics, Stu. Thanks so much today for joining me on the Sports Media Podcast. Thanks for having me. Back in the studio, very good of my colleague, Stu Mandel, to come on for this emergency podcast, but wanted to definitely do something today, just given uh, the big news and all the media implications. So thank you to Stuart Mandel. Uh, head to the archives. There's definitely some things you like. The last uh, couple podcasts did uh, Secrets of Writing for the WWE and a professional wrestling company with Brian Gewertz. He's got a book out now, The Rise of the Black Quarterback and What It Means for America with uh, Anscape NFL writer Jason Reed. Last week, uh, a uh, conversation with Dr. Danny Gilbert, hostage, uh, U.S. hostage policy expert on uh, what's next for Brittany Griner. Uh, T.J. Quinn, the fine investigative reporter of ESPN part of that as well and then joe buck came on to talk about vince scully who passed away earlier this month the archives uh, should have some stuff uh, that you're interested in thanks to all the support for this podcast please leave us a uh, a review five-star reviews are always awesome and a nice note if you like it that's how this podcast continues and thank you to patrick antonetti for uh, popping off of this uh, emergency podcast thanks to everybody Kate, and most of all thank you for listening we'll see you soon on the sports media podcast